but also reconciling us to one another. And so as we spend a few minutes thinking about these verses today, I would love for you to come up with in your mind a picture of unity. And then I'd also like to encourage you to spend a few minutes thinking about the walls that have been erected in your hearts, the walls that exist within our world, and what the Lord might be saying to you this morning as he said through this letter to the Ephesians and to the churches so long ago, let's look together at what Christ has done for us and wants to do through us in terms of reconciliation. Paul starts out these verses talking about a division that existed. And I'd like to tell you a little bit of a story that may help you put this in context. So the year is 1878, and the area is Appalachia. It's the tug fork of the Sandy Hook River uh, between Kentucky and West Virginia. In 1878, somebody stole a pig. Well, it's probably more like a hog, like think big pig, right? And um, somebody said, that's my hog, happened to be the McCoy family. The McCoys said, look at the notches in the ears. Those are, that's a McCoy notch. And the Hatfields said, no, that's our hog. And as legend would have it, the dispute between the Hatfields and the McCoys got started. Now, if you're an American, you might recognize those names, but let me give you a little bit more background before I tell you the, the rest of the story. The, the feud between the Hatfields and the McCoys, the McCoys living in Kentucky and the Hatfields in West Virginia, probably started about 15 years earlier. The year is 1863, and it's the height of the Civil War, and the Hatfields and the McCoys, actually the majority of both families, fought in the Confederate Army, except for one, one man, one family. His name was Asa McCoy, and he decided to fight for the Union Army. And in the course of battle, he had been shot in the chest, but not killed. He was in the process of recovering and he was going back home to live and to recover. And as he was going home, he was shot and killed by a person in the Hatfield family. That's probably when the feud between the Hatfields and the McCoys began. He was shot for being a union rebel. And over the course of the next 28 years, the feud escalated and escalated and escalated. Over the course of that time, no fewer than 12 different family members from both sides had been killed until it ultimately culminated around 1890, 1891. There was something called the New Year's, New Year's Day Massacre. The Hatfields surrounded one of the McCoy homes and just riddled it with bullets. The husband escaped. The wife did not escape. She was beaten. 
She survived, but their children were killed. So the Hatfields were pursued by the McCoys. They were going to be taken to justice in West Virginia, a family-friendly area for them, and the McCoys wouldn't have it. The McCoys went and fought and brought them back to Kentucky to be tried for this murder, the New Year's Day massacre. The Supreme Court got involved because it was an issue of extradition. Where can people be tried? So the Supreme Court of the United States got involved in this Hatfield and McCoy dispute. The governors of Kentucky and West Virginia got involved because they thought they'd have to send in the militias to bring some kind of peace between these families. You can see that what started out as one incident, how it escalated over the course of decades to becoming what we now euphemistically call uh, the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's, it's become synonymous with justice and honor and revenge, family honor. It's become synonymous with hostility. And if you're an American, you know that reference to the Hatfields and the McCoys is kind of a reference to hatred and discord and fighting between each other. In fact, parents will sometimes look at their kids and feel like their kids are the Hatfields and the McCoys as they're fighting with one another. We use it like that. That's the image that I want you to think about as you're reading Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 11. There was a dispute. There was a long-standing difference between Jews, the Jews of the promise, the Jews of covenant, the Jews who had this sign of covenant called circumcision, and those that didn't, known as Gentiles, non-Jews. And what started out as a promise and a covenant and something that was to be cherished, to be set apart as holy, turned into something that was kind of prideful, like we are special and you're not and we're in and you're out. And it turned into this dissension and dispute and division that created downright hostility between the covenant people and those who were not of the covenant. So when the writer to the Ephesians here is drawing this parallel and saying, you Gentiles, by the way, that's you and me, most of us who are non-Jewish here, you Gentiles, you, you used to not be a part of this covenant, but now it's different. And why is it different? Because Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came and in chapter 2, verse 13, it says, but now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. There's a new day. It says about the Hatfields and McCoys that uh, that dispute ended in 1891 with that Supreme Court decision. Do you want to know the truth of the matter? Trials went on for years, well into the 20th century. And it wasn't until, get this, it wasn't until 1976 
well over a hundred years after the killing of the first McCoy, that members of the families got together and actually shook hands. 1976. But it wasn't actually until 2003 that they signed a truce to officially end this 120-some crazy odd years of dispute. And they did it on national TV. If, if anybody's around in 2003, the Saturday, the early Saturday morning news show on CBS showed the Hatfields and the McCoys signing this truce with one another. Jesus Christ did that for his people long, long ago. Now, by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what was probably in the mind of the author writing this letter to the Ephesians was the temple. Because as you read, or as Andrew read for us, it says this, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, then in his own body on the cross. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. What is this wall of hostility? Well, you can think of it as an interpersonal conflict. But I want to put another picture in your head. The picture that might have been going through the minds of the Ephesians, of the Jews, and of the Gentiles at that time. You see, the, the, the temple where the Jews worshipped was constructed in such a way that there were walls that separated certain people. So there was an inner court. There was a court where only Jews could go. And then there was this thing called the outer court. And there was a dividing wall between them. And Gentiles could enter the outer court. And that's where, if you can think in the New Testament, where Jesus went in and he was throwing the whip around and taking all the, the money changers and turning over the tables. That's where that was happening. It was in the, the court where all the people could gather. But there was a separate court. And it was called the inner court. And that was where only Jews could go. That's the dividing wall of hostility. An archaeologist in um, 1871, and his name is M. Clermont Guénaud, he discovered, if, after excavating around this temple area, he discovered a column that was built on this wall. And listen to what he found inscribed on this particular column. This is, these are the words that were inscribed. No man of another nation to enter within the fence and enclosure round the temple. And whoever is caught will have himself to blame that his death ensues. That was in the temple of God. Separating the Gentiles and the Jews. Can you imagine the hostility that had crept up? The hostility and the hatred that had crept up because there was something that you and I couldn't have access to. And the Jews, in all of their pridefulness, could have access. Jesus Christ came to divide, to break down that wall, that partition, that middle wall of hostility. That's the image that is being used in this particular passage. Jesus Christ broke down the wall of hostility. That's fantastic news. Now, 
We know that it happened a little bit more metaphorically for the author, right? It wasn't if, if this letter was written about 60 A.D., 61 A.D., somewhere in that time frame, it would take another 10 years for the actual wall to be torn down. And it happened in 70 A.D. when the Romans came in and destroyed the temple. So there was a literal tearing down of the wall, but there was this metaphorical tearing down that happened many, many years before through the life of Jesus Christ, through his life and death and ultimate resurrection. That is the good news that is being portrayed for you and for for me and for all of the non-Jews in the world. Jesus Christ came to unite us. I'd like you to think about in your own heart and in your own life, where have some walls been erected? Where does there exist some walls in your life? Just think about how we use walls. Why is this image so helpful to us? Because there are walls all around us. I have a fence in my backyard and I was working out there just on Friday and I was noticing that my neighbor was also working over there, but I, I kind of had to peek around the fence to see what they were doing down there and there was no opportunity for us to talk or whatever. We build fences around ourselves. We build fences around compounds in foreign countries. We build fences all over the place. But we build fences right in our hearts when we've been hurt, when we're in relationships and things don't go the way we want them to. We build walls in our hearts because we don't want to be hurt again. And this idea of hostility, it's just at work all around us and we're trying to protect ourselves from it. Where are the walls in your heart and in your life? that need to be torn down by the work of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus Christ come to do? Tear down the dividing walls of hostility. Notice it says in verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He's brought peace. In verse 17, it says, He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far from Him. He brought this good news of peace. In verse 19, it says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. Notice, He calls us citizens of a new kingdom. But He doesn't stop there. And I love this. You're not only citizens of this new kingdom, you're also now members of God's family. You have citizenship, but you're also now part of the family. That is much better than being just a citizen, isn't it? You are all members of God's holy people, members of God's family. And then he uses this image of of a house. And previously he's used the image of a body. And we know these images in Scripture, they're images of many different parts having to work together for one goal. And that represents us. And in this passage we read about this idea of how God came through His Son Jesus Christ to make two things now one new thing. No longer are you Jews. No longer are you Gentiles. We are now one new thing in Jesus Christ. Look around you. Just look 
to the right and to the left and just look at the diversity. Look at the differences in the people that represent the body of Jesus Christ and all of that beauty and that diversity. It's all being brought together into one new thing and that is something altogether new that Jesus Christ now calls His church. Why are we here? Why do we gather now? Because Jesus Christ is making us into His church so that we become to the rest of the world that peace, that hope, that opportunity to bring reconciliation, to restore people to Him and to restore people to each other. He's torn down the dividing walls of hostility so that we can become one in Jesus Christ, so that His church can become the example to the world of what Jesus Christ Himself was to us. A unifying, loving, peace-giving presence to the world. That's our calling. That's who we are as Christians. That's what Jesus Christ did for us as Gentiles, he just ripped it down. You could image the, the curtain that got torn in two. He ripped it apart so that we could become one new thing. No longer divided by our differences, but united by the common theme of who Jesus Christ is in our lives. Now I want you to go back to those things that are being held sometimes in our hearts, sometimes in the world around us. We think of the world in all the different ways that we are divided. We think of racism. For those of you that don't know, our youth group this year has undertaken a year-long effort to dig into understanding racism for our youth. And then hopefully maybe for us as adults as well that it would trickle down and trickle up, right? That we would understand the implications of racism and how things that are spoken and unspoken contribute to division as opposed to uniting us in Jesus Christ. So we need to address that. We need to attack it. We need to understand it in a way that we can break down those dividing walls of hostility. Our youth group is going through that this year. There are so many things that exist in your heart and in my heart that have been put there to defend, to protect, to help us cope with life. If we can sort our way through it, if we can navigate it, if we can learn how to love each other through those times and develop safe spaces and develop safe environments for these kinds of conversations to occur, we can become this new thing that Jesus Christ affords us the opportunity to become. One family. Citizens of a new kingdom. Personal. Loving. Peace-filled the gospel of grace and good news of who Jesus Christ is. 
These verses in Ephesians chapter 2 are rich. They give us our doctrine of our justification, right? Our salvation by faith through grace, by grace through faith, whatever those words are. By grace through faith. And then it moves into why? So that we could be reconciled to Jesus Christ, reconciled to one another. And we've got some work to do there, folks. We live in a world that is built on division. You listen to news every day that only becomes news because it's divisive and you pay attention to it. Good news just doesn't get press. We're conditioned to live in a world and to respond to things that make us react negatively. But we as Christians can be different. We as Christians have the opportunity to be different, to be a light, to be peace, to offer hope. Let that be the work that is churning in you this week. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back forward and they're going to give us some space to respond. Give us some space that we can interact with the Holy Spirit who is speaking to you and speaking to me. What is he saying? It might not be based upon skin color. It might be based upon tribe. It might be based upon where you live and the economics of others who live elsewhere. It might be based upon job or class. It might be based upon a whole number of different things. What is it that Jesus Christ is calling us to break down what walls in order that we can represent peace and unity and hope. Because that's what he came to do. And he invited you and I to be a part of it. So let's just take some time right now. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give you some space to respond and then the worship team will lead us in a closing song in just a few minutes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider the walls that we've built, as we consider the walls that have been built by the world, the walls within which we live, maybe knowingly and sometimes even unknowingly, our sins of commission and omission, the sins we do knowingly and the sins that we commit without our even realizing it. Lord, we surrender all of it to you this morning the best we know how. Lord, there's things that we need to work through and sometimes we just don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know what it takes. It's uncomfortable and maybe painful and it hurts and we're not quite sure, Lord Jesus, how to do it. We invite your Holy Spirit to help us. To help us, Lord Jesus. You paved the way through your Son, Jesus Christ. You paved the way through your death, the shedding of your blood, and the giving of your body on the cross for us once and for all so that we no longer have to suffer under the weight of sin and guilt and shame. Lord, you paid that price once and for all. And Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for that. And I just pray that each and every heart here will feel that, will understand that, will know that, and that will live into that, Lord Jesus, that we can begin to really break down other dividing walls of hostility that we can become peacemakers and 
we can become the, the sharers of good news. You've already done it. So Lord, please do it in us. Renew us again today. In Jesus' name.